The laws of uh, things that are used for holiness and candles in the shul. The town square, even though we daven in it on fast days, has no holiness because it is temporary. And also houses and courtyards that one gathers in to daven in on a temporary basis. Abraham Shum Kedusha has no holiness. That the definition of an Aaron Kedusha, an Ark, is a box that's only made for the honor of the Torah. But a, an Ark that's built into a wall that's made to protect is not called a holy item. And how much more so if the holy writings uh, deteriorate in it, that we are allowed to take it out of there. If one rents a house and davens there, it has no law of a shul. Holy items, for example, the bag for uh, and tefillin straps, and the box that we place the sevatara in, or the chomish and the chair that we place the sevatara on, and the parochas that we hang before the ark, they have holiness and we need to bury them. And only that thing that we place the holy item in from time to time, for example, the cover that goes over the boards that uh, house the sifritara, but the cover that protects the cover that's over the boards, is not called a server for holiness, they have attachments to attachments because it's a server of a server, and similarly any other uh, similar thing. It's forbidden to wash the Sevitara mantle, the covers, uh, in urine, Mipnea covered, because of respect. Uh, Sevitara mantles, covers that deteriorated, that were worn out. You can use them to make shrouds, and that is how we bury them. Hey, Sevatar Shabala, a Sevatara that was worn out. We place it in an earthenware utensil, and we bury it in the grave of a Tamachacham. Even if he's just one who was well versed in Halacha, but he didn't serve Tamachacham. We don't make out of the ark a chair for the Sevatara, but we can make from a large ark. We can make it into a small ark. And we can also uh, make from a large chair, we can make a small chair. But we cannot make uh, out of it a tiny chair for a chair. And similarly, it's permissible to make out of the parochas um, that was big. You can make a small one. Or to make for it a um, pouch for the sevatara. But to use it to make a pouch for a chomish is forbidden. And the parochas that we hang before the Aaron Kodesh doesn't have the same kadusha as the Aaron Kodesh itself. But it only has the holiness of the shul. And also the poles that we hang the curtain from. Nevertheless, you can't use them to make those plaques that we um, place over the Sevatari to show uh, which day's reading it is. Because they don't have the same holiness as the poles that hang the curtain. Zion. 
the platform like the platform they were made for the king doesn't have the holiness of an ark but it has the same level of sanctity as the shul generally the ark and anything that we make for a sevetarah if we make a precondition when we're creating it that we could use it for any other purpose even for a mundane purpose then that would be okay and one could and we're accustomed to benefit um, from various types of benefit uh, from holy items. For example, the covers of the Svarim and the Shulchan reading platform that's on the Bima in the Shul and the cover, the mantle of the Sefetarah. And they read the reason is since that's the predominant practice for Yeshalizar and people won't be careful. The base then has that in mind from the outset, in order that people shouldn't come to stumble. Even though they didn't make an explicit precondition, it's as if they did so. Test. One who donates a Sefer and places uh, covers in a Shul, you can use it for any Sefer, because for that purpose they were donated. But those who place it in their house and afterwards they donate it, since those covers were used for a particular sefer and it was used for a particular sefer Torah, you can't then transfer that, that mantle to a different sefer permitted. Says the Ramav and that's our current minhag. Because the heart of the basin uh, makes that precondition to uh, conduct like that. Those who are accustomed to place the crown of the Sefer Torah on the head of the reader, the Siyam Torah as he concludes the reading, and we shouldn't object. But when they place it on the heads of ordinary grooms, we object. Uh, wax candles that idolaters had used for their idolatry, and then their attendants uh, extinguished them, and they gave them or sold them to Jews. Also, it's forbidden to light them in shul. Even though an ordinary uh, layperson can use them at home. A heretic, a Jewish heretic who became an idolater who gave wax or candles to Shul, also is forbidden to light them. If you found a mouse in the oil of the Shul, if it's disgusting, then you can no longer use that oil to light the Shul. The lights of the Shul you're allowed to use to read by its light. You can't light a light belonging to an individual for a lay person uh, from the shul lights. There are those who say that's only when there's still a light for their mitzvah. But if you anyway need to extinguish it, it's permissible. However, we're not accustomed to be concerned about this. And we can light candles that are, have a great need. And maybe we could also say that Basin also had in mind such purposes as a precondition. And similarly with all matters that they're accustomed to be lenient in such matters. Uh, maybe it's for this reason. Uh, the members of the city who purchased the Sefer Torah and made a condition that if one person should leave the city, that the remaining members will pay him out. And then the value of the Sefer Torah appreciated. 
that fellow who left, we only need to give him that which he gave initially. The one should go from the shul to the base medrash to the study hall. After you leave shul, you should go to learn in the base medrash. And you should fix a time to learn. And that time needs to be fixed. You shouldn't let it pass. Even if you've got a big business deal that you could earn a lot of money. Even someone who doesn't know how to learn should go to the base medrash. And he receives simply the reward for going. Or he should establish a place for himself. And he should learn a little of that which he knows. And think about uh, his matters. And bring it to his heart. Fear of heaven. Before you go after the base boy, you can eat a little bread for the morning, you can eat your breakfast if that's your practice, and that's what one should indeed become accustomed to. Laws of business. The order of doing business. Afterwards, go to work. For any chara that doesn't have work attached to it will eventually dissipate and will cause sin. Because poverty makes one transgress the will of one's maker. One should not make his work primary, but temporary. The main thing should be his Torah. And he will find that both of them will have uh, fulfillment. And he should do business faithfully. And he should take care, not to mention the name of heaven in vain. For in any place that the mention of God God's name is found, death is found. Someone should endeavor not to swear even truthfully. Because King Yanai had a thousand cities. And they were all destroyed uh, because they would make oaths, even though they would fulfill those oaths. And one should uh, be careful of going into partnership with an idolater, because maybe he will have to make an oath for him. And he will transgress that the uh, idolater will come to mention his deity. And we are lenient about making a partnership with an idolater nowadays. Because idolaters nowadays do not make oaths with true idolatry. Even though they mention the idolatry. Uh, when they make that oath and they mention uh, their founder, their Intent is to the creator of heaven and earth. They simply make a partnership between uh, the name of heaven and something else. And we don't find that there is a concern of not placing a stumbling block before the blind. Because they are not warned against this uh, partnership. And to do business with them without a partnership, everyone agrees that it's permissible, as long as it's not on the day of their festival. The laws of washing one's hands. The laws of when one should make one's meal. 
When it reaches the fourth hour, one should make one's fixed meal. If he's a Tamachacham and occupied with his learning, he should wait until the sixth hour, but he shouldn't push it off any further. Because it's like throwing a stone into a wine pouch uh, if he didn't taste anything in the morning. The laws of washing hands for the meal. When you come to eat bread that you make the bracha motzeva, one must wash one's hands even if you don't believe that they've come into contact with anything impure. But for bread that you don't make a motzeva, could go in lachmonios, tacos, flatbread, or sweet bread, and you don't actually make a meal out of it. In sorry, from the Telsi Dime, you don't have to wash before it. Base, yes, Misha Emishim, any Ochel or Pachas Mikabetsa, you tell Yadov Loivarach. Some say that if you only eat less than a volume of an egg, you should wash, but without a bracha. Gimel, in Ochel Pachas Mikazayas, if you eat less than a Kazayas, yes, Misha Emishim, sorry, from Tilla, some say you don't need to wash. Dalit, in Ochel Dovashitibulev Echamashiva Mashkim, if you eat something that was dipped in one of the seven liquids, Shisimonam Yad Shachat Dam, that has the symbol of Yashachatam, Dahino says the Rama, meaning Yayan, wine, dvash, honey, shaman, oil, chalav, milk, tal, dew, dam, blood, mayim, or water. Continues the Machavalen is Nagav and it wasn't dry, but I feel it in Yad Nogus Mashka. Even if your hands don't touch the place of the liquid so from Tilablay Bracha, you need to wash without a bracha. Says the Ramah, even if you only dip the top of the vegetable or the fruit, even still, one should wash without a bracha. Hey, one who washes one's hands for fruit, this is considered haughty. Says the Ramah, that's only if he washes it in a way of obligation. But if you wash it to be clean, that your hands were not clean prior to that mutter, it's permissible. Continues, and roast meat, there is an opinion that it, that it would appear from his words that even though its juice is still uh, on, on the meat, the law is like fruit. And if you have cooked grains that are dry, it has the same law as fruit. One who drinks does not even, even need to wash one hand. If he washed his hands for something that was dipped in liquid, and afterwards he wants to eat bread, there, it would appear from a certain person's words that that washing doesn't help. Uh, and one needn't mention that if he washed his hands not in order to eat and afterwards he decided to eat, and he ate. Says the Ramah, if he didn't remove his focus, uh, he should make he should wash without a bracha. If while you were eating, you touched parts of your body that are unclean, you need to wash your hands again. Someone who is in the wilderness or in a dangerous place and he doesn't have any water, he is exempt from washing his hands. You have to be careful about washing hands. Anyone who uh, doesn't take washing hands seriously should be excommunicated. And that brings poverty and he is uprooted from the world. Even though they gave the amount of water that should be revious, Yosef Little Beshefa, you should use an abundance of water. Anam Meshaimal Khafnai Maya. 
I pour all over my entire fist of water, and I will get this abundance of goodness. Before washing, because all mitzvahs, we make the bracha before we do them. But the minag is to only make the bracha after washing. Because sometimes your hands are not clean. And therefore, make the bracha after you've rubbed your hands together. Now that your hands are clean, before you pour the second lot of water over it. But you could also uh, make the bracha before you dry them. Because also drying is part of the mitzvah. And it's still called prior to the mitzvah. And if he forgot to make the bracha until after he had dried his hands, he can still make the bracha afterwards. And you should dry them well before you take the bread. One who eats without drying, before drying his hands, it's as if he eats impure bread. One who immerses his hands, can eat without uh, drying, and the same thing would apply to one who washes his hands in one shot, and pours an entire reverse of water over his hands in one shot, or he washed one hand with an entire reverse, and similarly he did that with the second hand. With what kind of vessel should one wash one's hands? And how should the water reach one's hands? One must only wash one's hands with a vessel. And all vessels are kosher, even if it's a utensil used for waste, for human waste. And stone vessels, and earth vessels. But as long as it contains a reverse the minimum volume. Uh, and if in on the rim there is a crack, mean to say that if you would place the vessel over some liquid, it would enter the vessel via the crack. And that crack is larger than the spout that the uh, liquid is meant to leave from. Then it is no longer considered a valid utensil and you can't use it for Natilla Even if it holds the sufficient reveres from the crack and below. And this is true when you were taking it from the rim and above, that which is lower than the crack is not considered uh, the vessel. And what comes out is that the water doesn't uh, come via it uh, from the utensil. But if you are taking it via the crack, shari, it's permissible. Since that crack is now actually a new spout because from... The spout, from the crack and below, uh, it holds the sufficient reveres. A vessel that holds the reveres when you support it. But if you don't support it, then the water will spill out and, and a reveres won't remain. Enukli is not considered a utensil. Therefore, Therefore, the rounded part of a barrel, which is smooth, but it doesn't hold a reverse unless it's leaning on something, ain't notly metal you cannot uh, use it to wash with. And if you widened it from below, until it can actually hold a reverse without being supported by something, then you can use it as an independent utensil to wash with. If you have various types of pouches uh, of leather that you fix them up and gave them a catchment area, note them you can use them to wash with. 
but a sack of a kuppah or a box that you arrange them to be able to sit by themselves without leaning, and you uh, tar them with lime so that they could accept liquids. You can't use them to wash with. Because they weren't made uh, initially for liquids. And also, the same thing goes for hard hats. Even if they're so hard that they can accept water and it doesn't seep out of it, nevertheless, they're not made to accept water. Nevertheless, in an emergency situation, it's permissible to every because travelers do use them to drink from. Hey, a vessel that was originally made in such a way that it couldn't stand without leaning on something, and it's only used uh, leaning on something, then it's called a regular utensil. Therefore, a vessel that is full of holes below and it has a narrow mouth above, and when a person places his finger over it, the water doesn't get out, and when he removes it, the water leaves, you can use it to wash from, even though it doesn't really hold them, since it's made for accepting liquids, and that's the main way it's used, it's called the utensils, a vessel that has a tap below, uh, since in the beginning it was made to uh, accept uh, the liquid as such. A person shouldn't pour water over his friend's hands using his own handful. Because we can only use a utensil. Same thing would apply if you uh, poured water from a utensil onto one hand and then from that hand onto the other hand, that doesn't work. Rabentam permits such a manner of doing things. Since the first washing, pouring onto one hand was from a utensil. As long as the first hand was already pure, like, for example, where he poured in one shot, an entire revere. And we're accustomed to be lenient like Rabbi Tam. But the first opinion is the main one. And therefore, ideally, one should be strict. The water needs to come from the power of the giver, the poor. If you have a pipe, therefore, that is drawing water from a river, and he pours from into, into it, and so from the river he pours into that pipe, and it irrigates the field, he can't then place his hand somewhere along the line that it should uh, pour onto his hands, because that pouring, that sprinkling, is not coming from the strength of a person, because the strength, the power of the person who originally did the pouring has already ceased. However, if he places his hands close to the place where the person is doing the pouring, even though he doesn't place it right under the person doing the pouring, also when Nutella accounts for Nutella, because any time that it's close to the place of the pouring, then it's still coming from that power of the, of the original person. <laughs> and if he dipped his hands into this pipe, it doesn't work. It doesn't count as immersion because these are catched, uh, these waters are already uh, caught and they're not natural running waters, natural flowing waters. And that's true uh, when you draw the water, that you take the water out of the river and then pour it into the pipe. But if he would take out the water uh, in, and draw it directly into the pipeline 
uh, and then he dipped his hands in it, Tyrus, then they would be pure because drawn water that he then uh, continued, and even if he draws it and uh, places it directly into the groove, if the uh, bucket has holes in it from the uh, other side, and uh, it can enter the liquid through there. And still, while he is pouring it from the top into the pipeline, uh, he is also uh, taking it from the river. He can uh, use it to immerse his hands to and they are because it's considered as if he dipped it into the river. Because this flow is connected to the river. And the water in the pipe is considered connected to the waters of the river even though it wouldn't work for actual immersion for a mikvah. And there are those who disagree and say that also for Nitzel Shadayim it wouldn't be considered a proper connection. You shouldn't wash your hands from stones that are affixed to a wall and he made a receptacle area and a tap. If they were already a utensil and then he connected that pre-existing utensil the coastal, to the wall, note the memento, then you can use it to wash. If you placed your hands into a vessel of water and uh, rubbed your hands in them, if the utensil is connected to the ground, it doesn't count. If it's not connected to the ground, some say it counts as and some say it doesn't count. And in an urgent situation, you can rely on those who permit it. And if afterwards you had the opportunity to wash properly, you wash again without a bracha. A barrel that has water. Place it on your knees. And uh, wash from it for uh, for if it was resting on the ground and the water flows from it or it's standing and the water leaves the crack in it he placed his hands there um, he, it doesn't count for him as until it's uh, But if there was a tap on the crack and he removed it and he uh, accepted the water over his hands, then opening that tab is considered that he has used his own human power to be able to bring the water. But each time you need to close it and open the tab for each time that you are washing. If he uh, pushed a barrel that was full of water, and then he went away and sat down, and the barrel is now continuing to pour out water, all day, since he um, shifted it, and now he's washing his hands from it, even though some time has passed. Also, in the the washing counts. Everyone is kosher to pour the water over the hands. Even a deaf mute, someone who is uh, not 100%, and a child. Akum, an idolater, Venida, and a woman uh, during her time of the month. Says the Ramavi commander Amadi Kotan Pachim Yud Meben Zayin Dino Kakof. And some say, though, that a child who is less than seven years old is like a monkey. If a monkey washes your hands, some invalidate and some permit it, and it would appear that those who say it's okay, they are correct. Says Nevertheless, one should be strict. And ideally, one should have in mind uh, when one's washing one's hands uh, for a 
that he's doing a Nutella that is good for eating. Says Nami and the intent of the one who is doing the pouring also helps. I feel particular even in the first instance, I feel like even little cloud, even if the one who was had to wash his hands didn't have in mind at all. You If he immersed his hands in a spring, I feel aimboy mayim so even if it doesn't contain forty saw, also like villa, it counts as the immersion to eat. As long as his hands are entirely covered in one shot. If he immersed them in a mikveh, some say the, the law is the same as a spring, and others say that no, now that it's a um, constructed mikveh, it needs 40 sa'av, but we go like the lenient opinion. Uh, but ideally, one should be strict. Make some uh, rainwater, which is. Um, Flowing. And it has 40 uh, It's unclear as to whether he can use it to immerse his hands. If you have 40 of water that's resting in the ground, according to the Rambam, you can't use it to immerse your hands. But the Rambam says you can. And uh, that resting water, that all of it was drawn, according to the Rambam, you could also uh, immerse your hands. Uh, you shouldn't take from the river water with one hand and place it over your other hand because that doesn't count for either washing or immersing if you, if you washed one hand and immersed the other hand it counts one who immerses one's hands he doesn't need to do it twice and he doesn't need to dry them and he doesn't need to raise them even one who immerses his hands he doesn't make a bracha for, immerse, for the immersion of the hands but he still makes the same bracha of the Ramah says that uh, the practice is that one does make the bracha of or the shtifas yadayim, and that is the main way to do it.